Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Psalm 65 verse 4. And the Bible says, Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. Let's read that again together because I really want us to, just this one short verse, I really want us to, to get this out. Let's read it all together one more time. Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. Amen. Just for a few moments tonight, we're going to be preaching on the subject, calls me to approach. Calls me to approach. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I am solely dependent upon you tonight. Not on my own talents, not on my own gifts and abilities, because only through your anointing can the yoke be broken. So God, I ask tonight, Lord, that as I speak, I would not speak with my own words, but I would speak as an oracle of Christ. And as I minister, let me minister not with the ability through which I have, but the ability which you have given me, that through me the Son may be glorified. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would bring to my remembrance the things that you have spoken to me in the secret place. And God will never fail to give you all of the praise and all of the glory. And in your name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated tonight. Just for a few moments, I want to speak on the subject, cause me to approach. Everybody say, cause me to approach. Calls me to approach. Amen. The verse we read out was in Psalms chapter 65, verse 4. And I, we, we must understand that David is speaking here. David wrote this psalm. David was of the tribe of Judah. He was not of the tribe of the Levite. He was a, a, he was not a Levitical priest. Everybody say Levitical priest. Levitical priests were the ones who did the service and did the order and kept things in check in the tabernacle and in the temple of the Lord. But here we're in between two eras of Israelite history. We have had the Levitical law given to us at, by this point. But King David is not around um, during the tabernacle of Moses, the, 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 the tent of testimony where the, the badger skin and the, and the goat skin lined the, the, the inner court and in the most holy place. And you had the, 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 the outer court fence going around this place where sacrifices were made, where blood was shed, where atonement was made. But only the Levites could participate in the, the high priest, actually. Only one person could participate once a year on the Day of Atonement when they went into that innermost place, the Holy of Holies, where they would... Uh, where they would where they would uh, spray the blood of the heifer, the red heifer, on the mercy seat, and God would atone for the sins of the people of Israel. David doesn't have that, and David also clearly doesn't have the, the Solomon's temple because his son would go on to build this. But David, after he becomes king of Israel, he builds his house, he, 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 in all of the king's grandeur and all of the, the spoil of the battles of the Philistines and, 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 and of all of David's conquests, he builds his house. But David is, it, it, it is on David's heart. The first thing that David always wanted to do was he wanted to build a temple for the Lord. He wanted to build a place where God could dwell and where David could approach him. 
But God instructed David and said, David, you're a, you're, you are a man of bloody hands. I can't have you build this temple in my name. At, 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 one, at one point, God even told David, David, in, in, all, of the, in, in all of the times where, where we were moving in the wilderness together, me and the Israelites, did one time did I ever ask for you to build me a place to dwell. God wanted a people. God did not want to be confined to just one area. God wanted a people who were obedient. But we see David write this psalm, and it's interesting to me that David's verbiage that he uses is not, blessed is the man who approaches the Lord. Because it's important for us to understand, every single one of us, at this young age, you're never going to wake up one day and shake yourself and say, I'm going to seek after the Lord today. As a young person, you need to understand that, 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 that no matter how many times we have amazing Wednesday night services, no matter how many times the Spirit of God touches you on a Sunday night and you are marked by the presence of God, no matter how many times Pastor Tom preaches a barn burner and, and we are moved to a place where we go up to an altar and we're touched by God, it does not matter how many times you are moved on by the Holy Ghost. You are never going to wake up one day and, and, and move yourself to approach. God we are never the ones to approach God as a matter of fact if we were the ones to approach God the Bible tells us that the Levitical priest would have been slain on the spot they would have died because God's holiness demands perfection and an imperfect vessel could not live at the sight of God's holiness there was always a gap between my inadequacy, my inability to, 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 to clean my life up, my inability to change, my inability to move past from one addiction and, and, and to, to, to go on with the Lord. There was always a gap between God's holiness and my inadequacy. That's why David said, blessed is the man whom you choose and calls to approach you. Because God is always the initiator of the pursuit. God pursued you long before you decided to ever be a Christian, Jacob. Before you ever repented, before you ever found yourself at an altar saying, Jesus, come into my life and change me. God already pursued you. And you might say, what are you talking about, Caleb? Well, I would like to point you back to the cross. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. It was in God's redemptive plan to redeem mankind. But it was only through the Jesus, the, the, the Jesus coming to this earth as God incarnate, God Emmanuel, God with us to bridge that gap between my inadequacy and God's holiness. Can I get an amen? God initiated the pursuit after man. In the garden in Genesis chapter 3 when man, when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit and disobeyed God and said, I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to do things the way that I want them because my thoughts are greater than God's thoughts. God had it in his plan long before that ever happened that Jesus would go to a place called Golgotha and bridge the gap between my failure and God's holiness. So God is the initiator of this grace that we stand in today. And, 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 and from a doctrinal perspective, I want everybody to say prevenient grace prevenient grace is probably one of the greatest the greatest uh, uh, um, revelations that you can have because when you figure out that long before you decided to clean your life up Jesus pursued you before you ever thought of pursuing him 
The grace of God was after you long before Caleb decided on June 23rd, 2019 to, 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 to say yes to Jesus. Jesus pursued me before we ever decided to pursue him. This was initiated by God. The cross bridged the gap between my inadequacy, my faults, and my failures. I, I could never come to a place where I could approach God. But how many are thankful that God approached me? Every one of us should have a date in mind and have a moment in mind to where we remember when Jesus approached us and gave us a better way. We remember the moment when God approached us with peace, with joy, with, 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 with freedom, with liberty. We can all remember the day you didn't go to Jesus and say give me this freedom you didn't go to Jesus and say give me this joy you didn't go to Jesus and say give me this peace but Jesus came to you in a revelation moment with the gospel behind him and he said I am here and I am wanting to give you a better life amen Jesus stands at the door and knock no one knocks on Jesus's door and says let me in Jesus it's always Jesus who initiates the pursuit so it's interesting to me that David would use the word, the, 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 the phrasing, blessed is the man whom you choose and calls to approach you. Because the answer is not one individual person. There's not one individual person here that God has not chosen to be approached by God. God has finished that ordeal on the cross through the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every barrier that kept you back from the Holy of Holies, every wall, every separation, the veil was ripped in two because God wants you to know you no longer have to wait and wait in years upon years for God to approach you but the cross has been finalized the gap has been bridged we have access to the, the to, to, to the holy of holies we have access to experience God amen yeah. amen and this was initiated by God we must settle that tonight that we're not talking about one individual person when, when, when the title says, calls me to approach, he already has caused us to approach. He has finalized everything that the enemy has kept us back with. It's not because Jesus is, 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 is a failure, but the cross has finalized it. Everything that keeps us back is a working of our own mind and of our own situations that we put ourselves in. The ball is, in, is, is currently in our court. We say all the time, you know, I've done everything that I can do for this to work out. Now the ball's in the Lord's court. Well, the ball's in your court tonight because God has done everything. He has emptied the treasure chest of heaven in sending the Lord Jesus Christ to die for your sins, that you could have a relationship with Jesus. He has emptied everything that he has in the personhood of Jesus. But all that's left to do is for you to decide that I am going to pursue this person. I am going to come closer. He came closer to me but from here on out I am going to approach God amen the ball's in your court tonight Jesus doesn't have to die again on a cross for us to for, for us to have a relationship with him that does that that will never be done again because it doesn't have to be everything that you need is just the the the, the, the motivation and one last triumph to just go up to an altar and say God I know I've messed up before I know I've made mistakes but just give me one more chance give me one opportunity because the price has been the 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 the, the, the um, the price has been paid. All that you have to do now is to go and approach him. Amen. Amen. This is a right of a believer. This is, this is accessible to every human being. 
this peace with God, this freedom, this joy because of what Jesus did on the cross. But it's up to us to approach God when we find ourselves. But, and, and you know what the crazy thing is? We still miss out on it. We still miss out on it. You know, at work we have benefits. When you get to a certain age, <clears throat> how many works full-time in here? How many works? Uh, come on, you'll get there one day. I promise you don't work full-time, no. There's no way. He works at Gold Star, but they don't, he's not full-time, I promise you. And if he is full-time, he's not getting the benefits. <laughs> anyway, when you work somewhere full-time, you can have access to benefits. You have access to a 401K. You have access to health insurance, vision, dental, all of it. If you work somewhere good, so you need to look out for that. That's wisdom. But when I go and I check my benefits of my 401k every year, my company just so happens to match my contributions up until 8%. So if I contribute 8% to my 401k, that means that my company will also contribute 8% to my 401k. So I ask you, would it be worth it? Why on earth would I not go to the maximum to get my company's match? Why would I not go the distance that my company, the minimum that my company requires is 8% or, or 1%? Why would I not go up until they max out the match so I get the most out of my benefits? What I'm trying to tell you tonight is why would you stop short of the greatest blessing, the greatest thing that we have access to is the risen Savior. Jesus is not fumbled away somewhere in a tomb, but we have access right now to a 24-7, 365-day-a-year hotline to heaven where we have freedom, we have joy, we have liberty, we have, we have freedom from depression, we have freedom from anxiety and from suicide thoughts from addiction from vaping from pornography from all of the issues that we could face in life the reason you found yourself defeated is because you have not decided that he was worth going the distance for if you find yourself defeated don't look at the cross and say what's wrong with it Look at your situation and say, why am I not willing to pray? Why am I willing to let the enemy convince me that I've messed up too many times? And, I, and, and, and Pastor Tad said last week, and he, he perfectly described the cycle of backsliding. And I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I'm just going to say what he said last week. He said, first you sin, first you mess up. You do something that you said to God, I would never do it. Every one of us have done it. I was a teenager before. I know exactly what it's like. You tell God, I'm never doing it again. God, I am standing in your freedom. Well, the very next day, you are tempted and you're drawn away by your own lusts and temptations and you find yourself doing the thing that you said you'd never do. And so what happens next? You don't run and pray you don't run to church. You don't reach out to somebody and say, hey, man, I've struggled. I need accountability. The first thing you do is you listen to the lie of the enemy that tells you you can never pray again. If you do pray, God's not going to hear it. You can go to church, but God's not going to move on you. You're not going to hear a message. Everybody else in church is perfect but you. You ever hear that lie from the devil? When you mess up and, and you found yourself in sin, you don't want to go to church because the devil convinces you that everybody in church hasn't put 
together. Well, if you took the blinders off of the church, you would realize that it's not a museum for the saints, but it's a hospital for the broken. And the person sitting to the left and right of you may just be struggling with the same thing that you're going through. But if you ever decided that there's safety in numbers, that the banana's not going to get peeled, that the, that, the, that, the, that the banana that gets separated from the bunch isn't going to get peeled, and you decided that despite what the devil says about your inadequacy, yes, I am inadequate. Yes, you can discredit me based on my own merit. But the one thing hell can never discredit is a perfect Savior and a risen Christ. He can never discredit the cross. He can discredit me all I want. He can discredit me. Caleb, remember the time when you said you'd never do that and you did it and he tries to keep me back from an altar? He tries to keep me back from, from approaching God again and saying, God, do it just one more time. What I can say is you can discredit me all you want, but you'll never change the fact that Jesus died for me. And I'm not standing in the Holy of Holies with my blood on the altar, but I am standing in the Shekinah glory because the perfect Lamb of God shed his blood on the mercy seat. Come on, if we ever get that revel, if we ever get that revelation, we'll never stop being defeated or we'll never stop being victorious we'll never we'll never let the devil talk us out of approaching God one more time so what I'm telling you tonight is despite what the devil says of you yes it may be true yes you may have lied yes you may have given him one time one time after another but I'm telling you your approach to God is not based on your own merit but it is based on the perfect blood of Jesus amen what that means to me is there's not a time of the day where I don't have access. There's not a time of day where I can't call upon his name and say, God, give me the strength to make it through the day. But because he lives forevermore, I have access to the hotline that gives me victory every step I take. Yes, I may have failed. Yes, I may have fallen. But I'm back in God's face today saying, God, strengthen me again. If you could do it for Samson, do it for me. If you could do it for Moses, do it for me. But just one more time, show me your glory and change me no one approaches prayer having it all put together if you'll wait around and say I'll go to church or I'll, I'll finally pray once I get the sin out of my life you'll never get it out of your life because the only way to conquer sin is to live a crucified life it's not based on my church attendance Pastor Tad the crucified life is not based upon how many revivals I go to it's not based upon how many times I've, I've read through the Bible in a year. What the crucified life is based on is you willing to lay your life down and say, God, I am putting my nature down that you may be the life inside of me. Because yes, the crucifixion is nasty and it may hurt you to put some things away, but the cross never leaves its victim hanging because the Spirit of God is able to raise you up in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Why stop short of anything but his presence? Why stop short? David didn't let anything keep him back. When I was a kid growing up, and I'm sure many of us, yeah, I'll take my water. I'm sure many of us have had those moments in our life where we mess up when mom's around. Amen. How many had a mom that was willing to tell dad on you? Come on. Come on. You know how many times growing up I heard just wait till your dad gets home? Has anybody ever heard that? Maybe some of you still hear it. I'm sure, I, I hope some of you still hear it. 
Amen. Because if I was your parent, I'd be sending dad home too. But praise God. Growing up, my mom said all the time, just wait till dad gets home. It's not because mom was incapable, but if you have an A or a B team, you're going to send the A team. Amen. You're not going to waste any time trying to figure this joker out. You're going to put, you're going to send in the big guns to teach them a lesson that they'll never do it again. But praise God, I found myself so many times waiting for dad to get home, waiting for the, for the bell, waiting for the hand to come across and, and, and wear me out, for lack of a better term. But in waiting for dad to get home, I had two options, one of which is not very wise. I could run away. I could literally run away from my house. If my, look, I thought about it, I wrote out a note, I packed my bag, but I never had it in me to go run away from home. So I sat and I waited for dad to get home. And Nick Farsing knows how to spank, amen. I, I gave him too many opportunities. He, he perfected his form, amen. And Chloe's, Chloe's got it bad because after two, you get it. And she's been grounded more than I have in my entire life, but <clears throat> I digress. I can, or I can wait and just deal with it when my dad gets home. Some of you have resisted the chastisement of the Lord for so long that you have decided that running away would be better. You know what happens when you run away? You get used to pig food. You get used to something less than the Father's house. When you resist the chastisement of the Lord, the Bible says that you are an illegitimate child. That means you don't know who your daddy is. That means that you have no covering. That means you, you, don't have a, you don't have a shelter to go back to. That means you have nothing to go back to. If you resist the chastisement of the Lord, you will never be corrected and it will never be worked out in your life. But if you sit and deal with him and say and accept the chastising that my dad knows what's best for me. I know that my dad is trying to work out in me a behavior that is unbecoming. And what the, what the end of this punishment will be will be greater than the present punishment. The Bible even lays it out and it says that. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 12 says that no punishment no chastising is fun in the moment but what it works out is an eternal wave of patience and peace if you would just stop resisting chastisement and quit deciding that running is better and that you would just make your way to the altar and say God work it out in my life work it out of me and you approach God one more time with the attitude that I'm here to get fixed I'm here to be worked out I'm here to be changed you'll find the father's house is much better than on the run amen you can either be chastised or you could go to hell I'm not going to resist the chastisement of the Lord because what the Lord knows is that this is going to work out for me in the end he's trying to better me he's trying to work something out of me that needs to be worked out amen <clears throat> the Bible says that David in Psalms chapter 91 Again, was not a Levite, was not born with the opportunity to go into the Holy of Holies. But David went and got the Ark back. He went and got the Ark of the Covenant back from the Philistines. And he brought it to his house. And the Bible says that after David built his house, he set up a tent for the, for the Ark of the Covenant. Anybody ever heard of the Tabernacle of David? There's three verses in the Bible that mention it. <clears throat> the Tabernacle of David was David deciding I'm not going to wait for someone else 
to, 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 to interact with the glory of God. I'm not going to wait for someone else to approach God on my behalf, but I'm going to go as far as I possibly can and get in his glory because the Bible says in Psalms 91 that he who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What that verse refers to is when David set up the ark in the tabernacle and he had it up on the pedestal with the, four, with the two rods on the four golden rings and David, when the sun would hit it, right. David knew he couldn't touch it. David knew he couldn't go into the Holy of Holies and make a, and make contact with the glory. But what David did is he would wait under the under the, uh, the cherubim and wait until the shadow came, until God approached him because God would cause the sun to rise. And when the sun hit right on the cherubim, on the Ark of the Covenant, the shadow would come down on David. And that was the closest that David could get to the glory. I'm telling you, God's people do not wait around for for someone to shake them and get them up out of their seat. God's people in these last days are going to be a proactive people of God. They are not going to be reactive, always reacting to if the preacher's good or if the worship's good. But in these last days, in this young generation, God is raising up a proactive group of believers who are not going to wait, but they're going to go after God and get the fullness of what God has for them. Amen. Is that anybody tonight? Do we have any proactive believers in here? I'm not going to wait around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then we always have create these barriers in our lives between us and God, between us and our approach to God because your approach matters. Amen. If I would have approached faith and said, hey, you're really hot (laughs) and said something super inappropriate, you think we'd be here today? But Faith's a classy woman. But your approach matters. But what happens is we let barriers in our lives affect our approach to God. Whether it be you've had a bad day, you feel like you have a bad attitude, somebody was mean to you. As young people, I'm telling you, you let the most minute, matterless things affect your relationship with God. And if you think that that's just because you're young, when you're an adult, you are not going to have any friends. You're not going to have any influence because whatever the weather is, is what you are. Everything changes you. Someone's personality changes you. Your friend group changes you. Well, you're going to find out in life that if you just are a chameleon and change to whatever your surroundings are, you're not going to have any friends and you're not going to have any influence. Ultimately, you're not going to have any success. Amen. That's just life wisdom. But your approach to God absolutely matters. I'm not going to let anything in my life create a barrier between me and the glory of God. Why? Because the glory of God, the glory of God means too much to just let it go. If you ever understand that as a young person, you have just as much access as Pastor Tom, as Sister Peggy Richards, as as T.D. Jakes, as all these mighty men and women of God in history, you have the same access that they do. So my next question is, why are we not operating in the fullness of what God has for us? Because we've let every little thing creep into our relationship with God. 
I've let my phone, I've let entertainment, I've let uh, addictions creep back up. I've let um, defeat affect my approach to God. And, 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 and when you get to a place to where everything in this world is, is contrary to your prayer life, which it should be, but if you let this world and everything else affect your relationship with God, you'll never make it through this life. But I have to protect that. I have to uh, protect that place where I meet with God. That means times when, when, when people want to hang out with you and, and you know that that is a time to where you go pray and you go read your word and you say, you know what? If I just give up one Friday night and I pray tomorrow morning, I'm sure I'll be just fine. Well, in reality, you will be just fine if you prayed that morning but uh, and, and prayed the next morning. You're not just going to puff and go to hell. But what I'm telling you is you're not going to wake up Saturday and pray because if you take one day off, you'll find yourself in hell's trap because Satan's oldest lie is you can just take the day off. You can just take the day off. Amen. Has the devil ever told you that you can just, just lighten up a little bit? You're too consecrated. I never heard of Smith Wigglesworth saying I'm too consecrated. I've never heard of Pastor Tom saying I've prayed too much but I'm telling you they had access to a power that we have never experienced in our lives and until we get the reality that that power can only be accessed by a continual pursuit of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ we'll never see the dead raised. We'll never see independence change. We'll never see our families saved but we need to come to a place to where all barriers are removed and it's just us and Jesus. What is it in your life that's keeping you from prayer? And I'm telling you, I'm not talking about an hour of prayer. And some of you, look, we each have our own level and our own prayer. But I'm telling you, you have access to as much as you want. So if you want 10 minutes with God, pray for 10 minutes. But I can't settle for something. I can't settle for something so good. If it's so good, if it's so, if it's so perfect, why are we settling for less? Amen. Amen. If you go to Kings Island on a Saturday, when everybody else is there, you're going to find yourself waiting two, two and a half, three hours in line for a roller coaster. Right? Nobody wants to sit in the sun and wait till the to, to get to the spot with the fan, with the mist. Everybody know what I'm talking about? When you just sit there and you get misted, but then you've got to move and you're in the sun for 20 minutes getting cooked and you know, you're just waiting 20 minutes. You're waiting two hours for a two-minute ride. The, the math doesn't add up. It's not worth it, amen. But if you invest in something called a fast pass, amen. Anybody, any rich folk in here with the extra 70, the extra 70 dollars, to get a fast pass, amen. The only way King's Island is worth it to me is if I have access to something that other people have to wait in line for. So I'm telling you right now that we can eliminate the barriers. We have a fast pass to heaven. We can bypass the line. We can bypass, the, we can bypass hell. We can bypass this world and go straight to the throne room of God. I don't have to wait until I'm six feet under and my spirit is in the sky with the Lord to know Jesus. But right now, I can access the throne room. Praise God. Not only do I have access... 
But Jesus spoke through Paul in the book of Hebrews and said, let us therefore now come boldly. That means I'm not walking in timid saying, oh, Dad, can I get $20 for the movies? Oh, Dad, I'm, you know, I've, I've been really good. I, 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 I've done all my chores. I've done my homework. I've taken the trash out. No, the Bible says we can go in there boldly. That says, Dad, I'm going on a date tonight. Give me 20 bucks. Amen. Amen. That's a little rough spiritual connection, but the connection's still there. We have access to God's throne room, and he's not just God to me. He is my everlasting father. He is my provider. That means whatever I need, I can go into the throne room of heaven because I have access. Some of you don't have what you want because you don't pray for it. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Knock and the door will be open to you. Seek and you shall find. Ask and you will receive. You may not receive it, but you'll receive something. Amen. Amen. As you get older, you'll realize that not everything you pray for is what you get. Amen. It's what you needed. It's not what you wanted. Amen. Praise God. But then David says in this verse that he may dwell in your courts. Blessed is the man whom you choose and calls to approach you that he may dwell in your courts. In other words, I'm not just making a, 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 a drive-by appearance saying, oh, hey, here I am. I'm not just showing up. Jesus didn't just die for me to show up in an altar and just say, God, forgive me, and just walk away. And never follow after Jesus again. But David said, I don't want to just walk by. I don't want to just sit under the glory. But I want to dwell where you are. Wherever you're at, that is where I live. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I ride the, the wings of the morning, you are there. No matter where I go, I want to be where you are. <coughs> Sorry. Excuse me. David said that, I, that he may dwell in your courts. Jesus has paved the way for us not to just have a, a once-a-year experience with, Christ, with, with Jesus. Not just a youth conference. Not just a youth camp. Not just a, a crazy Wednesday night service. But I, Christ's goal for our lives is that we dwell wherever he is. Amen. Amen. Is Christ where you sleep? Where you call home spiritually? Is Christ where you, are, are you where Christ is? Have you made your bed where Christ is? Do you live spiritually where Jesus is? Or is your mind in the clouds on a relationship? Is your mind on a girl? Is your mind on a video game? Come on, I know that not everything, not everybody has girlfriends now. And I know that you're, you're six hours a, a day in Fortnite and you can't wait till the summer. But I'm here to tell you, six hours of Fortnite is not going to give you six hours of victory. I'm telling you, when you decide that Jesus Jesus is worth more than some superficial earthly piece of garbage. And I'm not talking about a girl or a girlfriend. I'm talking about, you know, inanimate objects that you make an idol in your life. I'm here to tell you that the way to have victory is to dwell where Jesus is. Amen. Is this helping anybody? I'm here to stay. Amen. The court was separated from everybody else. There was a fence. There was a gate. Only one way in. But it was separated from everybody else. When you come into this life, there ought to be some separation between what you used to be and what you are now. Because if not, I question if Jesus has actually had a saving work in your life. Because if nothing's different, everywhere Jesus was, things changed. They knew that Lazarus 
was with Jesus because he was resurrected. Are you resurrected tonight? Are you resurrected in your friend group? Or are you still four days dead, riding with maggots in a tomb somewhere, waiting for, 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 for maybe someone to notice? But are you resurrected in the newness of life tonight? Amen. Do you dwell where Jesus dwells? The Bible says in Revelations 1, 5 through 6, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood and has made us kings and priests. We are kings and priests because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Amen. We, are, we have authority over the horizontal. Uh, we, we have authority over the, the spiritual principalities and powers and authorities of this world. But we also have a priestly connection to the Father. Those are our rights as believers. Why would we not exact that right? Amen. Then the last verse says, the last part of this verse. So the verse says, blessed is the man whom you choose and calls to approach you. You have caused me to approach you by bridging the gap between my inadequacy and God's holiness through the cross, through the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only does he want me to approach him one time, but he wants me to dwell in his courts, to be where he is at all times, because only then will we make it through this life. Not with a Sunday morning faith, amen, but a faith that'll take you Sunday to the next Sunday, amen. But then the verse ends by saying, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. Amen. Is anybody satisfied from, from the Father's house? Amen. The Bible says, or the Bible says that in Luke chapter 15, when the prodigal son had left, when he had left and when he was stuck in, in, in the pig pen, eating the, pig, uh, the, 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 the pig's food, and he was wearing filthy clothes, the first thing that, draw, that, that, that drew him back to the father's house was he remembered that life was better in the father's house. He remembered, I didn't have to eat this in the father's house I didn't have I, I, I didn't have to wear this garbage in the father's house but he remembered that in the father's house were pleasures forevermore he could be satisfied in the father's house you can run your whole life backsliding from the Lord because you want to resist the chastisement you want to resist the punishment but you can run your whole life and the only thing you'll remember you know what you'll remember how good it was how good it was to be at peace with God. How satisfied you were. Yeah, you, you might not have had the, 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 the most popular friends. You may not have had, 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 had the most popularity and the, the, the greatest things, but you had peace with God. You had assurance. You had assurance that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And the longer you remember, the more that those memories will come back to you of how good it was to be in an altar with your friends shouting and speaking in other tongues. You'll remember how great it was to dance in the Holy Ghost and to pray and to feel the presence of God. You won't remember the day before. You won't remember the luxuries that this world can offer. All you'll remember is what you don't have anymore. But I'm telling you, just like that prodigal son, make your decision tonight 
to run back to the father's house because the devil wants to convince you that the father is upset that you're that, that all that prodigal son the, 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 the devil told him the devil told him you're not a son anymore you're less than a son you're less than this rich man's child he'll never take you back he'll never want you back but the Bible says that when the prodigal son took one step he found the father waiting and running to him and preparing the fatted calf and bringing out the robe and the signet ring I'm telling you tonight when you make the decision just to turn back to the father's house you'll see him running after you amen David said one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek that I may dwell in your house and inquire in your temple and look at the beauty of your holiness one thing have I desired that will I seek you will gravitate towards your greatest desire whatever that greatest desire is in your life you will gravitate towards that you are constantly moving in the direction of your greatest thought so if your thought is on, 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 on how you're going to live it up in the world or, or your thoughts back on Egypt like the Israelites when they thought man we would be just fine if we were still in Egypt we, would, we, 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 had, we, we, we had food, we had water, we had shelter. If only we could go back to Egypt. If there's a part of you that wants to go back to Egypt tonight, if you let that desire outweigh your desire to seek the Lord, you will find yourselves back in bondage. You will find yourself back in chains. I want you to understand that God has bridged the gap for you to approach him as many times as you want. There is no limit to the presence of God. Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at impactym. And remember, you can have as much of God as you want.